Church of Edmonton's online Zoom service. I am Karen Belita. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I serve the Unitarian Church of Edmonton as the president of the Board of Trustees. We are a liberal, multi-generational religious community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritually questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity, including diversity of beliefs, from divine believers to humanists, from pagans to atheists and agnostics. We believe in the compassion of the human heart, the warmth of community, the pursuit of justice, and the search of meaning in our lives. Whether you've been part of our congregation for decades, or this is your first time visiting, we welcome you. Whatever the faith and traditions of your past, we welcome you. Whatever your theological stance, we welcome you. Whatever your heritage, we welcome you. Whoever you are and whomever you love, we welcome you, the whole of you. We especially welcome any visitors who might be with us today. We invite you to go place your name and contact information in our online guest book, which you can find on the uce.ca website. Good morning. I'm Reverend Leanne Washington. I'm serving as the Unitarian Church of Edmonton's interim minister. Today, we gather together in gratitude on Treaty 6 land. A treaty is, a, is an inheritance, a responsibility, and a relationship. As part of that relationship, we are sharing with you the new Indigenous names that have been given to Edmonton's 12 redrawn municipal wards. The names were chosen by a panel of 17 Indigenous women, the Committee of Indigenous Matriarchs, and approved by City Council in December 2020. Today, we share with you Ward 3, located in North Central Edmonton, which is now the 
Tastawiniwak Ward. Tastawiniwak is Cree for the in-between people, a reference to the LGBTQIA community members. The Cree do not have a binary view of gender. In fact, they recognize eight genders and each gender has its own role to play in the betterment of the community. The Cree believe all people are unified by a single spirit and in Cree culture, each individual can choose where they belong, what responsibilities they assume toward the community and are free to move between roles as they wish. This is the origin of the term Tastawiniwak. Our theme for the month of March is commitment. And today we will be exploring the relationship between commitment and co-creation using lessons drawn from our natural surroundings and processes. Yesterday was the vernal equinox, which in the Northern hemisphere marks the first day of spring. It's one of only two days of the year in which there's a near balance between day and night, lightness and darkness. This near balance is fleeting as almost immediately daylight begins to last just a bit longer than the night does. From this perpetual yearly movement from dark to light to dark to light again, we learn that the world we live in is predisposed to change. And how we experience that change is entirely up to us. We can futilely resist natural processes of change, or we can find comfort in the predictability of natural cycles. I recommend the latter, since we humans are diurnal creatures, preferring the sun's light to the moon's, this is a time of hope and celebration. For as the old Gideon proverb says, no matter how long the winter, spring is sure to follow. Now, let us join in worship. We begin our sacred time together as congregations around the world do by lighting our chalice. As we light our chalice this morning, Ruth Patrick will read the words of Reverend Dr. Kendall R. Gibbons. We light this chalice as a symbol of our commitment to the values of Unitarian Universalism. May its light be a beacon of hope to us and to all who seek freedom, truth, and meaning in life. With mics muted, please join in singing Fire of Commitment, hymn number 1028. Bye. 
significant joy or sorrow, please type it into the chat window at the bottom of the screen where we will be able to see it. I will read them aloud. Your joys and sorrows will be part of our posted recording of the service. If you would not like to have your joy or sorrow available to the public, then indicate that in the chat with the prefix private, and then your joy or sorrow. You may also send your joy or sorrow to candles at uce.ca. While you compose your joys and sorrows, please take a moment to reflect upon the joys and sorrows and the life of our community, both at UCE and in Edmonton, while enjoying Mist of Cape Breton performed by Gordon Ritchie.
I was mistaken. That was Gordon Ritchie playing Gathering the Dew. Now let's find out what joys and sorrows we have in our community. Susan celebrates getting her vaccine from Michelle's pharmacy. Ruth lights a candle of remembrance, remembering past UCE member Ernie Korczynski, who has died. She says Ernie always helped with the cash bar at service auction events. Audrey also lights a candle of remembrance for Ernie. Marge lights a candle of remembrance for Wally, who had to be put down this week. Yvonne lights a candle of remembrance for her friend Helen's father, who died peacefully last Saturday from cancer at the age of 90. And she also lights a candle seeking strength for she and her sister still await answers about her sister's cancer. Now that our candles of connection are lit, and as a tip of the hat to this past week's St. Patrick's Day, I invite you to enjoy a moment of reflection as you listen to the instrumental version of a favorite Irish hymn written in the tradition of mystics, Be Thou My Vision, hymn number 20, as I light a candle for all the unspoken joys and sorrows in my heart.
the parable of the long spoons is in the nature of a folktale. It has been likened to a Romanian folktale, a Jewish folktale, and an Aesop's fable. The essential elements of the story have been told and retold in many different ways, but always to teach the same lesson. This is my adaptation of a version attributed to Rabbi Chaim Ramshisper, who became curious about the concepts of heaven and hell. He often found that wisdom and understanding came to him in his dreams. He told the following story about a dream in which he was met by an angel and, while standing in a hallway, was shown two doors. Ruth Patrick will now share with us my adaptation of Rabbi Ram Shisker's Parable of the Long Spoons. As I opened the first door, a deliciously savory scent wafted toward me. I couldn't help myself as I crossed my eyes, took in a deep breath, and spontaneously sighed with pleasure. When I opened my eyes, I saw a large dining room divided into semi-private booths. Each booth contained a group of people standing around a large round table. In the center of each table was the source of the mouth-watering scent, a large bowl of simmering stew. As I focused on the people in the room, I realized that each person had a long-handled spoon with which to take some of the soup or the stew. I noticed, however, that because the handles were so long, much longer than their arms, and the boots were so narrow, the people were unable to get the stew to their mouths. Fearing that others might manage to eat all the stew before they got their own share, they remained focused on their individual hunger and suffered in miserable silence. As I began to walk back away from the open door, the angel said, this is hell. Sadly, I turned with my back to hell's doorway and opened the second door. <clears throat> Once again, I was met with the same deliciously savory scent of stew. With eyes wide open this time, I saw the same setup that I had, that I had seen in hell, except here. The people were using their long spoons to feed each other. Instead of the miserable silence of the hungry, I heard the sound of sated people in conversation and occasional laughter. The angel said, this is heaven, but I awoke. With mics muted, please join in singing God of grace and God of glory, hymn number 115. Sing of this song for the 
of this hour, for the facing of this hour. So what hour is it that we are facing? How do we understand our mission and our purpose as a Unitarian Universalist congregation? Before we go on to answer some of these questions, I want to take a moment to refresh our understanding of what it means to be a Unitarian Universalist. As Unitarian Universalists, we uphold certain values, regardless of our specific beliefs regarding the existence or non-existence of a divine presence in the universe. Being Unitarian means that we recognize a unity of existence, such as reflected in the seventh principle by which we affirm and promote respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. Being universalist means that no person is beyond redemption in this world or the next. And to the extent possible, without harming ourselves, we stay connected to each other. We stay in relationship and we work things out for the better of the whole. Such is reflected in the first principle by which we affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person. As Unitarian Universalists, we seek to create for ourselves a beloved community, a community in which we live into our shared values. We also seek to expand that community beyond the walls of the Unitarian, universe, the Unitarian Congregation of Edmonton. In order to achieve our ends, we must be committed co-creators 
of the community we seek to establish for ourselves and for others. Such a beloved community does not just happen on its own. It doesn't manifest unless we commit to working with those within and outside of our UCE community. And we must commit to working with the universal principles of life. Despite the limitations of Zoom services, I can hear your question. What are these universal principles of life you speak of, Reverend Leanne? To fully answer that question, we'll take the rest of my ministry. But for today, we'll focus on two essential universal principles for manifesting the beloved community that we seek. We can take several lessons from nature, which operates according to principles of co-creation that we as human beings are only able to discover through observation. Take nurse trees, for instance. They're also called nurse logs. When a tree has fallen to the floor of the forest, it provides shade, nutrients, water, and protection from certain diseases to the next generation of seedlings. But the tree can't accomplish this on its own. It relies on the elements of sunshine, rain, and wind to begin the process of breaking down its structural tissues. As its structure breaks down, holes and breaks in the bark become niches that over time are filled with soil. That's when other species of plant life like moss and fungi further work to break down the nurse tree's structure until it becomes hummus, hummus. <laughs> dark rich soil into which a seedling may find purchase and the nurse tree's benefits are not limited to its own species. That is, though the fallen tree may eventually become a part of the nutritional base for the next generation of its own kind, it does not have a mechanism for limiting the benefits it provides just to its own kind. Any seedling of any variety of tree may be nourished to grow into maturity. So some of the lessons we learn from nurse trees are that we owe much of what we have today to those who went before us. That it takes the effort of many living people who are intentionally living into their best selves to create a healthy environment for the growth of a beloved community. That we are all part of an interconnected web and that the best recognition of that interconnectedness is not to limit our generosity to those who look, worship, or live like us. Another example from nature that we can learn from our bee colonies, which are highly social, highly socially structured organizations. Each bee has an individual contribution to make, and they make that contribution toward the overall health and survival of the colony. Each one is willing to sacrifice its life if necessary for the benefit of the entire colony. 
The key to what appears to be chaos is that each bee has a specific task and does that task. No bee tries to do a task that is not assigned to it. And each bee is doing its job for the mutual benefit of the entire colony without expectation of acknowledgement or personal gain. You know, when a bee collects nectar, it doesn't do it for itself. It does it solely for the good of the colony. In fact, since a nectar collecting bee only lives about 30 days and it takes about two months to make honey, the nectar collecting bee never benefits from the fruit of its own labor. It is nourished by the labor of the bees that came before it and the fruits of its labor nourishes the bees that come after it. So from the bees, we learn that an organization will thrive best when people feel accepted and respected for what they bring to the organization. That an organization thrives when everyone knows what is expected of people who take on certain roles within the organization. And that a healthy organization supports people in fulfilling their own roles without the confusion of others' interference. And that having taken on a role, people do it not for personal recognition or gain, but for the mutual benefit of everyone in the organization. Birds in flight offer us another lesson. While a flock of birds taking off together looks like chaos verging on mayhem, they quickly sort themselves out into highly organized and efficient V-shaped groupings. By flying in this V formation, scientists estimate that a flock of birds can fly about 70% farther with the same amount of energy that if each bird flew alone. Birds share leadership when flying in the V formation. The lead bird works the hardest because it has the most resistance. The other birds are able to take advantage of the extra lift produced by the wings of the bird in front of them, starting with the lead bird. Over the course of a long migration, the birds take turns flying in the lead so that no bird collapses from exhaustion. And some birds, like geese, are known to make honking sounds to encourage the lead and to encourage each other. So from birds in flight, we learn that good leaders lift us up and give us, get us where we want to go. But taking turns as leaders means no one person or small group becomes exhausted and that everyone needs encouragement. Each of these examples from nature could be a sermon all by itself, and each deserves a deeper study. For today's purposes, however, I note that from all three of these examples, we learn that if we are to succeed in creating a beloved community, we need to welcome each other's participation. We cannot do it alone. We must set our shared intention, stay in touch with our values, honor and respect each other's contributions and reach out to those who are isolated or who are lagging behind.
or who are simply feeling exhausted. UCE post-pandemic is not going to be the same community that it was pre-pandemic. If we take the lessons that we have learned from nature and our experiences thus far during the pandemic, and if we commit ourselves to co-creating the beloved community, we can make UCE a stronger, more welcoming, more generous, and more impactful community. So please consider what is yours to do for this wonderful community and then do it. Applying the concept of committed co-creation to this interim period the interim transition team is inviting you into conversation about what it is that makes UCE so special. Two weeks ago, you were asked to respond to the question, what do we stand for? Some of the most common answers were inclusion, support, and acceptance. You'll find more information about your answers to that question in the April newsletter. Now, Graham McFarlane will pose another question and give us some instructions on what to do. Graham? All right, uh, for today uh, is uh, what brought you here? What brought you to UCE? Um, we are going to do it the same way as the uh, question two weeks ago. We're going to um, go into breakout rooms. Um, we're gonna discuss for eight minutes uh, and then um, you will return to the main room to share in the chat. Um, I would just like to uh, establish an expectation that, uh, you know, in your, within your breakout rooms, make sure everyone who wants to speak gets a chance to. And if you are going to come back to the main area to put a message in text chat or to say out loud, whatever is shared with us, um, make sure that you note uh, like how many people you're you're speaking for. So if you got more than one person on your device in the same room as you, if you're summarizing for a, a group of people, just just so so that when we're telling responses, we've got an idea of like how many people are saying the same thing. Um, so yeah, uh, breakout rooms, eight minutes, share and chat. I hope that's uh, makes sense to everyone. So we've got uh, shared values and community. Uh, uh, people were brought in by other people in their lives uh, and who were already members of the church, at least two people in Maria's group. Um, support for interfaith uh, relationships. Uh, um, we had uh, people who were drawn to the church due to a particular issue or something missing from their lives. Um, the social activist aspect um, being a place for spiritual search, community involvement, and with all ages and navigating transitions. Um, and uh, people looking for a community where uh, that fits their values. 
uh, we did have one person who specifically cited choir was the reason. Uh, and we, um, and with Lord, as with all, also, uh, uh, you know, closures of other communities and everyone in the group that I was in, uh, you know, just heard of, you know, what, what the, the beliefs are and just decided for the, some, themselves. Yeah. That, you know, that's where I fit in. This is us. Um, and it looks like the rest are variations on things. Uh, uh, dances. Uh, you know, we, the, I, I mentioned a lot about uh, community before, but de but but uh, there's one that says community and dances here. Um, coffee. Uh, uh, I mean, we're Unitarians, and I didn't mention coffee first. Uh, but I, I'll be forgiven for that. Um, and church for, church school for kids as well. So that's sort of my reading of what's in the chat there, uh, which will be uh, um, taken uh, back to the um, interim transition team with, you know, as we continue our work in, uh, you know, this, taking the steps, you know, b before, uh, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're not on, you know, in, in the immediate uh, process of you know transitioning to a different uh, kind of ministry, but you know, we're we're still doing the work of uh, uh, putting together sort of you know histories and who we are as a community, and you know really just making um, it a larger transition for a community, not just focusing on you know one person, one role, which is reflected in the message from today. So I want to thank you all for responding to today's congregational question. And as you take a moment or two to look through the chat, which will be open um, throughout the breakout rooms uh, when the service is over, I want you to think about the richness of the, the perspectives and contributions and entry points of people at UCE. And it's that full richness, how we got to UCC before in our community and how it is that this community is, is meeting those needs and expectations. All of that is a part of understanding the richness here and opens the possibilities for co-creation with each other, understanding these general principles about living in community. And I, as the interim minister coming from elsewhere, see such potential and such strength and such commitment by so many people who are um, members and friends of UCE. So as we think about what that means for UCE as a community and what that means for our shared goal of creating a beloved community, I invite you to join in singing hymn number 121, We'll Build a Land, and think in terms of land being the beloved community. And so with mics muted, 
please join with us in singing, We'll Build Land.
Good morning. My name is Andrew Mills, and I'm your Canvas Chair. There are just 10 days left for the Canvas for this year, and we're about 17% short of our target. That's a bit behind previous years, maybe about 10% behind, but it's not insurmountable. Now is the time for you to send in your pledge. If you have automatic deposits set up or have already pledged, then thank you. We already have your instructions for next year. But if you haven't pledged yet, then please pledge this week. We've updated the uce.ca website to put the, a button for the pledge form right underneath the Canvas banner. And the Canvas banner looks much like the image you're seeing on the screen right now. It's right in the front of the UCE webpage and the button underneath it says pledge now and it will take you to a form that you fill out to complete your pledge. However you pledge, please do it this week. I may be calling members that I've not heard from later in the week to complete the Canvas. Thank you all for your financial support. Don't forget that you can call or email me at any time if you have questions or if you're having any issues with your pledge. Thank you all for the financial support of this church. Generosity is a spiritual practice, one that enlarges the heart and lightens the spirit. For no matter how much or how little we have, in the sharing of it, both the one who gives and the one who receives are blessed. We are a self-governing and self-supporting community. We rely on your donations to support our staff and to offer our programs. Now more than ever, we need your financial support. Please visit our website at uce.ca and click on Donate in the upper left corner to find the donation method that best suits you. For the month of March, we also encourage you to support the International Council of Unitarians and Universalists, the ICUU. Please visit their website for more information about them. You'll find a link to the ICUU page on our church homepage at uce.ca. And now, with mics muted, please join in singing hymn 402, From You I Receive. of our service, I want to make sure that we uh, show our gratitude and appreciation for those who helped us share this time together today. Our host and greeter, Jeff Bizantz, slide creator and runner, Andrew Mills, our reader, Ruth Patrick, our recorder, Ruth Marriott, our breakout room host, Jan McMillan, and we thank Graham McFarlane for the question and Andrew Mills for the Canvas announcement and sharing our abundance. You know, nature gives us so many beautiful examples of what can happen when individual elements come together in committed co-creation. I invite you to gaze upon these images with appreciation for how the many petals of varying shapes, sizes, and colors have come together to create a most beautiful flower.
as you identify and celebrate what makes UCE such a special and beloved community, realize that there's no one right way to be a beloved community. There are characteristics that shape a community into a recognizable beloved community, just like there are characteristics that define certain plants as flowers and others as trees, for example. Within all the groups of humans who claim to be a community, it is those communities that are made up of committed people co-creating the beloved community they seek to experience that thrive and become models for the rest of the world. So please consider answering the call of the leadership committee and offer your services for one of the several committees that will be elected during the annual general meeting in May. You'll find more information on this process in the April newsletter coming out on Friday. And finally, as we come to a close, in recognition of my own Irish ancestry, I leave you with this traditional Irish blessing. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall gently upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of God's hand. As we close our service this morning by extinguishing our chalice, Ruth Patrick will share the words of Reverend Brian Kiley. Sorry about that. The chalice is now extinguished, but its light lives on in the minds and hearts and souls of each one of you. Carry the flame with you as you leave this place and share it with those you know, with those you love, and most especially with those you have yet to meet. May you be peaceful and at ease. With mics muted, please join in singing our closing song, Carry the Flame. our worship service this morning. Please feel free to take a short comfort break, get a cup of coffee, and watch our weekly announcements as they slide by. In a few minutes, you'll be invited into randomly assigned breakout rooms for conversation and coffee if you bring a cup. You may accept the invitation to join a breakout room. You may decline the invitation, or you may accept the invitation, and then when you're ready, return to the main room. I will remain in the main room for about an hour for questions about the service and general discussion. <laughs>